0: your perfect home sweet
1: home. Hi, my name is Robert John Burke and I play Bart Bass on Gossip Girl.
5: Welcome back, listeners, to your one and only source and to all things Gossip Girl. You know you'll love it. XOXO. Hello, hello, and welcome back to XOXO with me, Jess Kazor. Today, we have quite the treat. The famous Bart Bass, also known as Robert John Burke, is on the podcast. Now, we all know Bart was not the best dad, proving many times that you can't just buy a Father of the Year award. But Robert could not be further from his character, I am telling you. He's kind, humble, and self described, more of a Rufus. This was such a fun conversation. Robert and I talk about playing a character so different from himself, working with Kelly Rutherford and Ed Westwick, funny fan interactions, and of course, what it was like to die, come back to life, and die again, supposedly. You never really know with Bart. Here's Robert now.
2: Hi.
1: Hi.
5: Can you hear me? <laughs> I
1: can hear you. Can you hear
5: me? Okay. I can hear you. I'm just really bad with technology. I just don't get it.
1: I would wear it as a badge of honor, Jessica.
5: <laughs> I mean, it's just nuts. And it's so funny because now in this day and age, you feel like everything's at a click of a button and it should be easy, but there's always like 15 buttons to that one to make it work. And I'm like, it's too much for me. So
1: I, I, I was just on the phone with my 20 year old's sons, one of whom took my Mac to the city today. And I'm like, dude, how do I do this? Unless I have those guys around, like my little tech men. Yeah, no, technology is certainly not making our lives easier. It's just promoting more stress, but that's okay. We're here. I can hear you.
5: Yes, I can hear you. I'm excited to hear that very specific and beautiful voice of yours. Uh, Yeah, it's been so long. Uh, I mean, lately I've been seeing your face so much because I'm doing these rewatches, which have been quite interesting and fun mm. and very wild to me because I just didn't I knew what we were doing but I also really didn't
1: <laughs> I'm on that same line yes
5: yeah so wait how old are your kids now because that age 20 is like very much what people still are very like dialed into the to the show
1: yeah there's a whole new generation i think dialed in um my oldest is 28 and my youngest is 22 Amazing. Yeah. Aw,
5: that's fun.
1: Yeah. When my my oldest was in high school, uh, the show was on. And that brought him- Right. You know, he's like, he said to me one day, he's like, do you really have to be on that show? And I was like, what's the problem? (laughs) And he's like, I don't know. I just, you know, I said, oh, are you getting scrutiny? Are you getting- He's like, yeah. And I was like, dude, if my father was on television, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But apparently <laughs> he's a very like low-key guy and uh, he did not like – You know, you don't want anybody – I don't know if you're – Looking into yeah, your life in a yeah, certain way,
5: especially yeah. when it's maybe a parent. But also like this show wasn't just like a show where your dad's on TV. You were playing Chuck Bass's dad, Bart Bass, this very flashy, very well-known, and everyone was very obsessed with that family. So it was a very like – big moment for you know (laughs) yeah it was
1: and so you know I've uh subsequently found that you know it's like there's a new generation of people turning on to the show and um certainly with the pandemic people were watching and binging and so yeah, uh, renewed interest, and uh, and I think it holds up. Actually, to tell you the truth. So yeah,
5: we keep finding that in each like uh, each of these rewatches, and and going back and watching. We're like, wow, there's just certain things where it was ahead of its time, mm-hmm. or a lot of storylines that people can relate to, even outside of it being in this like flashy gossip girl Upper East Side right. world. But. I'm going to introduce you quick even though everyone on that's listening definitely knows your voice and your name and and who you who you are but just and because I'm just so excited that you're here we have Robert John Burke who played the amazing Bart Bass, this super rich sometimes a villain but always complex Bart Bass on Gossip Girl. You you've been in television and film for over 40 years, starring in classic shows and movies and just been around and, and a familiar face to so many people. And so many people are such big fans of your work on from, from a show like Gossip Girl or Tombstone to uh, Good Night and Good Luck, shows like Rescue Me. So what was your draw to acting? What Why did you want to pursue? It
1: was just kind of a weird uh, a stumbling into it. Um, I wasn't much of a student in high school. I wasn't really passionate about anything. You know, I, I wasn't a good student. History and English, yes, math and science is bad. And then we there was this experimental improvisation class in my high school. Um Edie Falco was like two years younger than me and she was in the class with me. And so I kinda liked that. I kind of responded to that. And then I right. I auditioned for scholarships at different places and and I just oh uh, rather than go to my senior year of high school I traveled the country with this lort regional theater and they couldn't pay me because I was a student but they gave me in 1977 they gave me 150 dollars in cash a day to eat with that was my per diem and I was like I couldn't okay. I couldn't eat 10 dollars worth of food you know a day so I came home with all this right. cash and and my dad all my sisters and brothers were in medicine and he said what are you going to do and I said I'm going to be an actor and and the three famous words were he said to me he goes a fucking what and I said an actor and he goes <laughs> uh, he goes well, we don't do that we don't even know anybody who does that I said well I'm going to try and he said can you go to school for that And I said yes and I went to a couple of different colleges but then I settled at SUNY Purchase which had a really strong acting conservatory and yes I graduated from there and then I actually took five years away from acting I was a contractor I was a school teacher.
5: That's incredible. I didn't know you were a school teacher. I knew about yeah. being a firefighter.
1: Well, no, that came later. Okay. Uh, I was a security guy at a club called Nell's years ago. And so then <laughs> a guy I went to college with named Hal Hartley, he was doing independent films. He was going to shoot his first. And he said, Would you like to you know, do the lead? And I was like, Yeah, sure. I was building a deck down on the Bowery for a client. And I said, How long is this going to take? He said, 11 days. I was like, Oh.
2: You know, that's a long
1: time. <laughs> so we did it and then Miramax bought it and I went on a, a publicity thing and that was 36 years ago. So I've been really lucky just in terms of swimming in the middle in my career and always working, you know, and I like the autonomy of being able to do what I want. You know, it's like, right? you can't play a cyborg robot. Sure I can, you know, it's like, <laughs> or you can't play... So nobody really cared what what I did, which was fun because I got to do different things.
5: But that's also why they really did care because you well, could, I you know? Guess, yeah,
1: I guess. I, but because
5: I'm meaning how talented you are.
1: Well, no, I, I, I've i been, like I said, lucky. I think my luck is the residue of just preparation, you know, just being super prepared. That goes back to the conservatory mm-hmm. training, never being late, trying to be early, even for uh, technical things like this, which I inevitably Screw up on my end. I was like, "How do I connect to these people?" (laughs) No, you
5: were good because, trust me, you were fine.
1: So yeah, that's how I fell in. I kind of just fell into it. I was supposed to be a police officer. My parents were both from Ireland. We were raised in Washington Heights in Manhattan. So if you were like first generation Irish, like being a firefighter wasn't even held up to you. Just you're gonna you're gonna be a police officer, and that's all there is to it. And I was like, okay. So I avoided that. I play a lot of police officers, but um, yeah, I was lucky. I was lucky to be an artist. I was lucky. Just yeah. so.
5: I love your whole story and, and like how you fell into it or got into it or how you, it became a passion of yours in a way and how you did all these other jobs that, you know, probably you learned so much from as an actor, but are also really great in life, you know?
1: Yeah. To, I mean, to be
5: a firefighter and. and
1: Well, the firefighter came in, in 2000 and. Two, um, my best friend was a fire captain in the city who fell on nine eleven, and that really hurt me. That hurt everybody, obviously, on a geopolitical yeah. scale. So I thought to myself, what can I do? Like, what can I do? One hundred and ten percent. I'm not doing something bullshitty and, you know, uh, signing a check and saying that I'm going to do something. I'm going to dedicate my life to his memory, and that's what I did. I, you know, in the volunteer fire service. Seventy percent, I think, of the country is volunteer. And after nine eleven, you know, OSHA, FEMA, Homeland Security, everybody piled on with all the certification. And so, right. you know, gone were the days when old Jimmy will show you what to do. And we have a tremendous ca- academy here in Suffolk County, Long Island. The instructors are all FDNY guys, so you're getting great. Yeah. instruction and it's a passion that's another passion
5: that is so incredible though robert oh my wow. god
1: i never thought i would have the opportunity <laughs> to do this and i've been doing it for 20 years now so it's been great
5: that is beautiful yeah i'm like wow i need to do more <laughs> than just volunteer <laughs> no it's
1: listen we um, all do we all do and
5: you just yeah did you have a new little one recently i do or? i have a little little baby girl oh my like 18 god 18 months now, oh my but, gosh oh
2: congratulations yeah, it's Jessica. nuts
5: that's, and a little, well, you're you, you are doing enough. It's, it's a life changing, amazing.
1: <laughs> that is enough.
5: <laughs> well, I mean, thanks
1: for the next eighteen to twenty two years. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Wow. wow. I know it's it's so life changing and amazing. And congratulations. That's also kind of why I decided to do this this podcast. One because the fans were so good and really you know loved this show so much and gave so much support to us to the way they responded and acted to it. Mm. And um, I had a new baby, and I was like, maybe I can do this with this production team. And I heart and still be able to be by my baby girl instead of yeah. on the road so much with her. But yeah, so this ended up working out. But um, I think it's wild when you're talking about all these. You play police officers a lot, yeah. and you know you're firefighter, and then on Gossip Girl, you play this millionaire. This you know, and and I have a, we had a like, a lot of people write in asking, did Robert uh, model Bart Bass on any real life millionaire or CEO? No, I'm going
1: to be very uh, candid and say that I had trouble playing that character of all the characters I've ever played. I had the most trouble playing him. And the only reason was because I kind of, my upbringing and our lives when I was young was so modest. Okay. Like when I say modest, like we didn't have a lot of money, I mean modest. And so there was some part of me as an artist that just didn't buy me as a billionaire. You know what I mean?
5: No, I don't know because you did such a good job.
1: Maybe he was insecure. Maybe Bart was insecure. I mean, guys who have that much money and really need to... um, There's an old saying, he was an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. You know, there's that conflict always inside. But, uh, you know, I would have done a lot differently, I think, now when I look back in hindsight.
5: What do you mean, though?
1: You know, uh, gosh, I'm I'm not going to bespeak it or or bemoan it or anything, but I just, sometimes I look at some of the performances and I think, well, why were you doing that? You should have just done nothing. You should have just like, you were pushing or, you know what I mean? I just, I don't don't know. I I never had a full, comfortable sense of the character. Well, no, that's not true. That's overstating it, but I I could have been more comfortable playing him. I I was uncomfortable. I don't know. It's hard to say, Jessica. I find
5: that so interesting though, because Mm. it came across to so many people, anyone that watches it, this you know, to me, you were that millionaire, that CEO. Hmm. And when people were writing in to ask that question, like, did he base anyone off of? I didn't. I wasn't sure because I'm like, he might have went and dug super deep into some CEO, you know, no, that I, we all know of, because you just played it so well—the way you wore the suit, the way you talked. There was one guy, um, actually, Ian Schrager.
1: He's a hotelier and and restaurateur, and I I watched him once in a, in a restaurant, and just the way he held his, himself and looked, and I thought, oh. Ooh, yeah. People work for that dude, um, and he was very relaxed and very graceful. I should say. Um, twice I was in an elevator where someone drunk got in and said to me, "Mr. Schrager, I worked for you once." And I was like, "I'm not even Schrager." The guy's like, <laughs> you know, fifteen years older. But him, I did. Yeah, I thought he had a, like a kind of an elan and you know, uh, just this like a masterful kind of uh, uh, poise. Or so no, I nobody specifically. Nobody specifically.
5: Right. Yeah, I just I felt like that. And even your relationship with Chuck and how that affects, you know, Chuck's how he interacts with people and his behavior and his kind of like insecurities and things like that. I feel like we're so he did did such a great job playing Chuck, but I think it was played off of how you brought Bart to life in such a in such a way that it, it was bleeding into chuck's storylines and we all that to, we
1: used to laugh when they'd yell cut you know i'd say something really like really hurtful to him and and he'd tell me to go you know f off and they'd say cut and we just start laughing <laughs> and ed, ed would be like fucking bastard jesus you know? uh, uh right because it, what we were doing is we we're commenting on the writing and how hurtful and how destructive and how dysfunctional and and of course, Chuck's the way he is. Do you know what I mean? Right. I mean, it was just so.
5: It was deep, and it there was definitely dark moments where I was like, "That's like hard." And I do feel like there's layers of that relationship. Of it, kind of shows where it's like, okay, they they this kid drives a limo and can you know they have a private investigator on speed dial. I mean, that's wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's the way those guys operate. I mean, there's family fixers, and you know. Uh, we clean up the mess immediately, and we pay very handsomely for it. so a lot of that rang true, especially in um oh brother, where bark thou uh, I think he had that fixer,
5: yeah, the Andrew Tyler, I think his name was I can't
1: remember his name, yeah, he was yeah a nice well, guy. The, so, yeah, yeah, I think he
5: was your p i and that's yeah, and then Ed tried to go or Chuck tried to go by him to say, hey what what did my what did my dad want from you before he got in the car to go get Lily?
1: And even the fixer for a price gives up the, you know, it's, it's like everything exactly. is, Everything is mercenary. Everything is capitalistic, you know, and every man for himself. So I think yeah. Chuck gets what he wants and the fixer guy, uh, he gets the money. And But yeah, Chuck, uh, Ed had his work cut out for him just in
5: terms of. Yeah. In general.
1: In general, his mother dies early. His father kind of blames him for it. And, yeah, always in the father's shadow. You, when you contemplate that, of course, he's going to be kind of a mess, trying to struggle and scratch his way out of that. Yeah, but Ed did great. Ed was Ed was like so compelling. You know, he had this, you know, this smoldering, like he's going to explode. In a minute. Yeah, he was he was terrific. And then you know, with an, an American accent, and you cut, and then he'd have this British accent. I thought he just did a a terrific job all, at all times, you know?
5: I agree. A- absolutely. And, and his, there's almost like, there's a humor in his and Blair's storyline too, because they're like so ridiculous with each other, but yet you want them together so badly. And there's something to be said too, now even talking to you, like he has this girl in front of him that loves him so much and they don't want to say it to each other. And then she kind of finally does, but he needs to pull away. Like he, he doesn't want to put all of his walls down and be vulnerable. And you can't blame him because of, you know, him thinking it was his fault that his mom died. Now his, you know, right right around now in, in these rewatches, now his dad died and he's, you know, blaming Lily, blaming Dan, blaming everyone. And, you know, it's something that Cece, the grandmother, says at the funeral it's okay for him to feel any type of way today. I mean, he just lost his dad, but let me ask you this. W- yeah. Did you know like early on that this was going to happen or was this all of a sudden you got a script and you're like, Oh, Bart's getting in an accident. And- uh,
1: Joe Lazarov came up to me because got a minute. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So no, I, they, they came to me. I, I've had over the years, like in different shows, people call me and say, did you get to page 35? I get hit by a bus. and I'm like, well, you're nobody on this show unless you come back as a ghost. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Joe. Joe, one of the producers, Joe Lazaro, beautiful guy, came up to me. and Goes, um, you're gonna die. <laughs> it's like, like, oh,
4: okay. So <laughs> Thanks, I said, uh, you
1: know, gracefully. Um, yeah. Um, and he said, yes. And are you okay with that? And I said, uh, you know, as my wife would say, write your own show. Uh, I said, I have to be okay with that. I've had fun. I was doing two other shows at the time, or three even, um, and I would do this kind of triangle, you know, go from one show to the other, and it kept life interesting, it kept art interesting. But he said, "But we don't know if you're really dead." And I was like, "Okay, you know, like oh. when you figure that out, let me know." And then he obviously came back and had faked his death and 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 all that. But yeah, no, they were very forthcoming when I uh, was killed that time, or what was it died in a car accident I think yeah yeah. so they, the production and uh, the producer did come to me and told tell, tell me what was going to happen so I did know
5: yeah
4: <laughs> from BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip
0: I thought in that moment oh my god
2: For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
4: The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening.
5: When you were first becoming Bart, like in the very, you know, when Bart's first introduced and you were Mm -hmm. meeting with Eric Damon and things like that, did you right away, because everyone is so obsessed and like so grateful for how talented Eric was to, you know, put all of our costumes and stuff together. Did you right away feel like everything that was pulled for, for Bart was just right on point? Because he looks so elegant, so CEO, millionaire, billionaire, handsome.
1: I think Eric would agree that I had really good wardrobe karma, stuff fit. It was his palette. And, and he'd say, what do you think? And I usually 100% agree. Right. He, he is a master. He was a complete artist. I would not want mm-hmm. to have had his job. On this show. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I show up with my <laughs> one or two choices, you know, in terms of my acting, but he has to have, you know, endless, endless, but he was terrific. He was just effortless. Options
5: and yeah, yeah. just, he was I mean, terrific. And he did, everyone looked so, so different. I mean, I know that's part of it because it's all different characters, but not really like in a show like this, you, a lot of people could have, you know, had similar, styles this everyone's was very different you know it's it was and i think it helped everyone bring their, their characters and to i never too.
1: i don't remember ever seeing something where you say to yourself ah oh, ridiculous doesn't work never
5: a hundred percent
1: either it was the actor or actress who was selling it and making it work beautifully because of their character or but i don't recall anybody whereas you know you sit there as a as a a fan or just watching go up does totally doesn't work. Totally. It never not worked. I mean, no matter who showed up wearing what it looked great. I always thought. So that was Eric's artistry. I think.
5: I thought it was so great. Did you like filming in New York? I mean, I know you had before and, and. Oh yeah. I mean,
1: that's, I was, I was the local I mean, I loved it. I could come home. I could coach basketball. I could coach little league. I loved it. It was a tad to nine to five. We shot at the Palace Hotel a lot, and I remember yeah. one time they brought me up to this room at the top. It was, you know, um, a guest lounge that no one ever used. That had its own chef and its own barista. And,
5: and then one day, this is, after, is this for Bart Bass or, yeah, or no, Robert? This,
1: this was for the hotel, and and the owner of the hotel said, "So you're the actor playing the owner of the hotel?" I said, "Yes." And he jokingly handed me a bunch of his cards, and he's like, "I'm leaving for an hour. I'll, you know, you're, you're in charge." So <laughs> one time, his assistant came to me and said, "Miss Burke," I said, "Would you like to just relax up?" I said, "Yeah." I didn't know where I was going, and he brought me to this lounge, and you know, big buffet and overlooking the city. And I was up there. I was up there for like I don't know, three or four months, and then one day, Chase and Ed come happening into the room and they're like you fucker what you, you've been up here the whole time you know? and i was like oh dude you know what's up we're sitting you know, in a,
5: down in our trailers yeah you know
1: what's going on i was like yeah you know you just punch two 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 four into the yeah you'll be you know. and we were laughing and then you know the secret was out so uh that was only when we were on location at the palace hotel but it was fun it's always fun to to shoot in new york i'll, I'll be a, there were the the young kids who would show up on the set, and that was daunting, I think, sometimes for production. And I remember one time it was either Chase or Ed or Penn, and some they opened their camper door and the kids who were outside let out this shriek that was a la, you know, the Beatles kind of shriek.
5: Oh my god! <laughs> and I was like,
1: Oh, that's what that sounds like, you know, in real life. And so you know, another aspect of shooting in New York and the fact that they were using social media to say, hey, gossip girl shooting on, you know, 87th and 2nd or uh wherever we were at the time. Um, and we'd skip around down to Soho, Upper East, Upper West, you know, the museums. It was fun. It was it was fun. I,
5: yeah. I learned I mean, it became like my favorite city, but I also was like you y- before I ever did the show, I wasn't well traveled. I didn't have the money to to travel. Mm-hmm. So when people would be like, oh my God, New York is just, it's the best city in the world. There's something so special and magical and the energy I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we got to do the show, I, and then I got to travel more. I got it when we were there. I'm like, wow, this really is something, there's something very special here. But then when I went to other cities around the world that were also beautiful in their yes. own way and special, they didn't have this energy that New York has. There's something very different about New York. And then I, I understood it. That one day I'm like, I was in Europe and I'm like, okay, this is awesome and beautiful in its own way. But now I completely understand the hundreds of people that told me New York is, is its own thing.
1: You're exactly right. And I feel the exact same way. No matter yeah. where you go. And we were lucky too because this was pre, you know, pandemic and all the sh- the stuff that's happening now. So all the stuff, yeah. It was a really, uh, you know, when we look back, a, a really special time. And um, yeah, so to, so to have experienced it in that way, um, certainly it was special.
5: So special. Speaking of filming around the city and all that, were what, what some of your favorite storylines? Because watching these and the fact that we were doing twenty-two episodes. And just the, the spider webs of all the intertwining <laughs> situations and relationships and all the stuff that just kept going and going and going. I mean, it's just so crazy. Even in the episodes that I'm at right now in the rewatch, I, I get to the end and I'm like, I feel like now that would be like four episodes of a show on HBO. This was one episode of 22.
1: <laughs> you know what? You're so They packed so much in.
5: They packed it in.
1: Like, you were on the steps of the Metropolitan. You were here. You were there. You were in the loft. You were back out of the loft. You were at some amazing gala. You were back. You know, it was a lot of production yeah. value for a showrunner, yeah. for a casting crew. But you're right.
5: So did, I was just, because there's always so much, I'm like, how do you even pick a storyline or... I'm sure you had so much fun working with Kelly cuz she's just such a lovely person but was there anything
4: anything in yeah, particular Yeah, like, what was
5: one of your favorite storylines that kind of stick out? Maybe not your favorite cuz it's so hard when there were so many. I mean even where I'm at in the rewatches there there's someone who dies, there's a potential, you know, a, a new relationship that comes to life, um someone's possibly pregnant, someone else is tells them they love each other. I'm like, this is all in one hour.
1: (laughs) I rewatched, um, a brother where Bart thou and, and I had the exact same impression. So, so Bart dies and it's his funeral, but, uh, Serena's going to Brazil. Uh, who's the new guy? Um, Penn is, (laughs) is, is okay with it. Rufus is like angling the, Information drops. Jenny's making
5: a dress for for the, Jenny's for the wedding at the wardrobe. Jenny's
1: doing, uh, <laughs> Margaret and and uh, Wallace are getting married.
5: Yeah. Meanwhile, Wallace, his son is is the one dating Serena.
1: <laughs> his son. Oh, that is that's right. I I'm forgot just, that. And connection. this is all
5: within. Yes.
1: It's a lot. Well, that you know That's forty two minutes. you were getting your money's worth out of that show.
5: For sure. It,
1: it it's an interesting observation that perhaps they don't pack so much in that you could have gotten three or four episodes, you know, in a modern day episodic. But, um, no, it was, it was fun because it was like, you know, when that opening narrative would happen, you were pretty much obliged to like, you know, tighten your seatbelt because,
3: you know, you don't know where,
1: yeah, it was, and it was, it was a total, and it was going to look great and it was going to, you know, the visual in terms of the, you know, shooting on location was going to be great. So it was definitely going to be, Enthralling for people who were wondering what that lifestyle was like, I suppose.
5: Yeah, and I feel like because it, it, there was it was so flashy, but then I really feel like, especially going back, everyone just did such a great job with their with their roles, like. You know, I, I know everyone listening has, has heard this many times in these episodes, but, the, you know, these dynamics and the, the little humor and just it just it, they did so good. So it was not just like about going in and watching this teen drama or just watching New York City as a character in there. Everyone really brought something super special to it. And maybe, you know, at the time there was nothing like this on TV, you know? And even when you went back to different shows like 90210, Beverly Hills, 90210, it's still, there's a different flavor and vibe because of New York City.
1: You know, it's like acting when you, when you understand your character and everything, and then you're asked to just throw it away. So here you have these characters, these situations against the backdrop of New York, which is its own character in the drama. Yeah, And yet you're asked to throw it away. like. You know, you hail that cab or you walk up those museum steps or, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's it you wear it loosely like a like a garment and you're comfortable with it. So that I think everything like complemented everything, uh, you know, just in terms of advancing the story. But again, like really cemented these actors were in their characters. You know, Blair, very complex. Serena, very complex in her own way. Do you know what I mean? Very consistent in terms of who she is as a person. And then when she does have conflict, you really see it. Do you know what I mean? In lieu of the money, in lieu of the fashion, in lieu of the environment, she's still somebody you would want to have as a friend. And then Blair, mercurial, all, you know, I, I just, Leighton's acting, I always just enamored and, and obviously Blake too, but they really just, ah, I, I just, um, just so compelling you watch them read the phone book to tell you the truth
5: right and and the way they play off each other because they are their characters are so different like on paper you wouldn't put them as best friends almost no but you know what i mean
1: totally buy you buy buy it that they were together forever that they really are friends and that's kind of it's very unique sometimes because other well for me for you we're actors we we read into things but they had an effortless relationship it was just so complimentary and uh it was it was awesome. It was awesome to watch, yeah. you know.
5: I couldn't agree more. Yeah. How what are your thoughts of Chuck and Blair's relationship?
1: Chuck was his own worst enemy. He 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 wanted the love, but he just it to me it just seemed like he didn't know how to get there. You know what I mean? Blair is like, I'm here, I'm here. He's like, I know, I just don't know how to get there. And once I'm there, I don't know how to stay there. Because he didn't have the the tools, you know, uh, his mother was gone, his father was a jerk, uh, tumble, tumble, tumble. So he never he was never given those tools. He never saw it in his home. Right. There's a Shakespeare speech. You know, I spy a far off shore where I would wish to be, and I, I I yell at the sea that keeps me from it. You know what I mean? I just don't know how to get there, and and she's like this siren going, come here, come here, and he's like, I know, but I just. I just don't know how to get there because I'm my own worst enemy. I was never shown, you know, what true love is and uh and and they just tore it up. They just totally tore it
5: up. Yeah.
1: In terms of playing that
5: that dance of going back and forth and wanting to like they wanted each other but they wanted to tell each other no even though they really didn't want to say no. <laughs> if is that there, makes sense.
1: Is there any right? better, is there any better kind <laughs> of love? I mean, you know, that's where the passion comes. <laughs> It's like tearing a piece of paper. One piece is going one way or the other. And that sound you hear in the middle is like, is somebody's heart. It's like every time they oh. would do that, it was just, you know, you just like, you know, I'm a grown man and yet I'm sitting there going, Oh, maybe it's tonight. You know, it's like, um, yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's sweet because I think everybody on whatever level of whatever kind of relationship you've ever had, elementally, you identify with some aspect of their relationship. But the writing was impossibly good for those two. I must say that also.
5: It was so on point. And the way they did it was also like, just nothing was missing for that. It kept nope. you going. Even even now, like right around where I'm at, they're still like not fully together. And I'm like, any other show or any other characters, I'd be like over watching it. But they did such a good job that I'm like, I could keep doing this.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I rewatched Brother where, Are, where Bartha. And at the limo, when she's like, I when she says, "I love you," and I mean, Leighton, just the simplicity. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's she was such a great actress that she would let you do the crying. Right. It was just the simplicity of it. I, I'm here. I'm yeah. I'm before you. And again, you know, in lieu of the fashion, in lieu of the setting, in lieu of the limo, and and none of that matters. All the, the only thing that no. matters is her love for for Ed for um, yeah. Chuck. For Chuck. Yeah. She
5: says to him, We're Chuck and Blair, Blair and Chuck, the worst thing you've ever done, the darkest thought you've ever had. I will stand by you through anything. I mean, and he says, And why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because I love you. And he
1: says, I'm, no, don't tell me. Well, that's
5: too bad. That's
1: too bad. You see, that's just, that's just immaturity. That's someone who, who, who doesn't have the tools. He's going to push away. The reason people do that is fear. As, as, Beard, as, yeah. as animals, as we're, we're going to fight, we're going to run, or we're going to do nothing. And he fights, he pushes her away because he's afraid. It's, it's almost like telling him, Chuck, I know your dad just died. I know you have all this stuff on your shoulders. Oh, would you mind jumping off this cliff and fall in love with this girl? He's not going to do it because he just doesn't trust himself or life. Life just kept yeah. kicking him in the teeth. So he, he, he's developed no trust. And uh, but the writing there—that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I they didn't write like that for Bart. I'll tell you. Uh, you know, that was just the simplicity, the beauty, the poetry in it. It was just really kind of neat. It was. And if you're a young gal or guy or whatever watching the show, yeah. That, let me just, as a sidebar, say I've had like a lot of young guys, like I guess they'd be in their thirties now. Oh, dude, Gossip Girl. Yeah, love the show. <laughs> like, oh, really? Yeah. Good <laughs> for you. And good for you for saying you know?
5: yeah. Yeah. Did you have people come up to you and say, you know, I know someone who was based off your character. You're based off my dad's character. Oh, uh, I found people in New York were saying that to the, all everyone all the time. And we're like, it was off of a book, it's, you know, based off of book. yeah, books. Okay.
1: The books were written books. Uh, I had friends of mine. I'd never read the books, actually. Uh, or is it books or book? It was books. books. It was a series. Yeah. yeah,
5: books. Yep.
1: And I never read them. And, you know, people would tell me things like, oh, Chuck's character had a monkey. And I'm like, well, you see, that's why I'm not reading it. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know what? I can't say that somebody ever said, it, it's been you a while remind- too,
5: but I, d- yeah. But speaking of like, you know, storylines and, and working with, you know, some of the o- other casts, mm-hmm. what was it like? And what were some of your favorite storylines with Kelly? Cause that's heavily, any was was Kelly and, and with Ed. Any storyline
1: with Kelly was fun. She's, she was this lovely human being. Do you know what I mean? Mature, graceful, yeah. gorgeous prepared looks you in the eye act kind of acting do you know what i mean and i used to mm-hmm. love to play with her do you know what i mean just in terms of like when my acting teacher once said cuz i was getting so serious he goes why do you think they call it a play and i was like oh okay yeah that's what we're doing we're playing so to play off of, <laughs> off of her to play opposite her was just so much fun you were you knew you were going to you knew you were going to just achieve something in the scene and it, it just felt very good as an as an actor to be opposite yeah. somebody like that. So, she was lovely, and any you know any time I was, I would say any time I was acting with Kelly Rutherford was a good day. But we'd have these galas where this there would be these great things going on, and she and I would be having some kind of cl- conflict or you know resolution of conflict. There was always duplicity. There was always some type of you know hidden agenda and I like that because when there's more than one thing going on it just makes it more interesting for the actor hopefully for the more audience more interesting for sure but she was great any any I don't specific can't speak specifically to any one storyline but pretty much any storyline with her was just fun It was with fun, her. you
5: know yeah i have a question about this there was um a couple episodes ago with might have been i can't even remember which episode now but eric has a boyfriend in the episode and you're having some big party again at the Vanderwoodsen loft and you kind of tell the boyfriend, you know, I'm not sure if you want to come or not come. And, you know, we kind of talked about it. Like, do we think you were doing that to actually protect Eric and the boyfriend so that it didn't come out publicly for their uh, sake? Or was Bart kind of doing it to cover for Bart? Because I was like... I don't think, I think he was doing it to protect the kids in a sense of like, you it, it should be on you guys. And this is just, I mean, this is all about a story in the, in a in a TV show. So we don't really know the answer. But I was wondering if you even remember that episode or like what you thought of that. Because I think, I think Bart, as much as he was hard and stuff like that, I do feel like he had a big heart. There's a lot of times I'm like, oh, he's doing a really great thing. And then you go and pull some dossiers out on, on the family and have this whole yeah. like... You know, you know everyone's secrets and stuff, but then you would do something where I'm like, wow, he's being, he, he is sweet. He just has a hard exterior, kind of like Chuck.
1: Yeah. You know, if you're playing a New York billionaire, um, and I think he was a billionaire, I think it said he was a billionaire, not a millionaire. Um, anyway, it speaks to you're having some sophistication. You're worldly, you're accepting, you're accepting of someone's sexual orientation However, what you're not accepting of is anything that could damage the family name and the family fortune. You're also being patriarchal in terms of these kids don't know what they're talking about. They're leaving themselves exposed to ridicule, to bigotry. And so there could have been an element of that. Um, I never specifically knew. I think I was, I was protecting the family and myself vis a vis, right? Telling them you guys are not. On time right now, you got to let this be a little more chill because you don't want to hurt yourselves. You don't want to hurt the family. So I think his motives are a lot more selfish and self serving than they are altruistic and like, oh, I'm accepting of your sexual orientation. I don't think there's much of that. Uh, Although, you know, (laughs) I I think it's all about the bottom line
5: and the company. Right. And, and again, speaking of working with everyone, what about? How how is that? How was the love triangle basically? Is what I'm trying to ask with you, with you, Rufus, and and how was it working with Matt Matthew and that? Like I know because you guys couldn't have played two more like total opposite characters.
1: Yeah, I mean, like in real life, I'm more like the Rufus guy. <laughs> I never had the money, <laughs> and I was like, hey, the guy's got a nice personality. Maybe you should go out with him. Um, it was fun because you knew it just it just creates tension and dynamic and conflict, and these are the things like. You don't it you didn't have to manufacture it. If Rufus came into the room, I would bristle. Do you know what I mean? It just bristled like like no words even in my head. I would just want to like just send out Prana to to get rid of him. You know, he right. he he so threatened me. And the fact that he didn't have money and you know, they'd say like, oh he comes from Brooklyn. Oh, you know, like like Brooklyn was some <laughs> filthy place. You know, as if you could afford right. to live in Williamsburg these days. But at the same time, um, right? Exactly. So that that conflict was built in, and it was fun as hell. And why? You know, part of me, part of Robert Burke thinks, why couldn't Lily have both? I mean, really. Uh, but yeah, she was great the way she would it's play. Kind it. of,
5: what, kind of what her and I talked about last week.
1: Oh, really? Like her head and her yeah, sensibility like, and practicality you know she wants the dough and she wants like the good life but you know what maybe she wants the love too so it's like you know good for lily good. for yeah. keeping all possible options open You
5: for sure
4: from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought
0: in that moment
2: 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.
5: When we get the phone call, or when we see that there's a phone call and something really dramatic has happened, or tragic has happened to, to Bart, mm. that's like a devastating thing as a viewer, I feel like, watching, because now I'm dialed in removed from the show years later and I'm like wait Bart can't leave this is like not okay
1: Yeah it was it was kind of weird <laughs> Yeah
5: and and again I don't know if they were onto something back then like oh if you do you know, kind of kill off someone that everyone enjoys watching, whether people didn't agree with some of the things you did as a dad and stuff like that. That makes an, a show interesting still, though. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Watching colors that you were bringing to the scenes with Ed and with Lily and Rufus. But it, it was now people are killing off main characters, you know, season one in yes. a show. So to me, I'm like, were they doing this for, you know, a shock value to, you know, have everyone's mouth drop even more so than they were the entire episode? I was still like, he can't, he can't go away. But you know,
1: it was weird to me. And it was, it still kind of is weird in the story was they throw Bart on the sword. Okay. Now that sends shockwaves. You know what I mean? But then they have Bart back and then they throw him on the sword again. And it's like, why are they, I'm the old guy on, on this like kid show. It's like, why am I the, you know, the, the crucible that upon which, you know, the, the drama gets shattered and the repercussions are felt thereof. Um, I didn't mind. I, I understood that for what it's going to do to Chuck, this is going to have lasting repercussions. And and so you know, as an actor, I've been around long enough to know to appreciate every moment I'm on the set. And then to say to myself, you know, if this should continue, great. If it doesn't, that's fine too. So when right. when Bart had to go, Bart had to go. You know, I go on to the next thing, and I'm always very grateful for having been. But I could see the wisdom in it in terms of making the drama that much more compelling. You know, people are texting, oh, Chuck's dad is dead. I'll tell you a funny story that combines my fire service with Gossip Girl. We had a false alarm at a hotel. The hotel is emptying out. People are in their pajamas. These girls are in their pajamas. And I'm walking in with the hook, like the big pole and the water can. I have all my gear on. And as I'm walking into the hotel, this girl is like, she's two inches from my face, walking past me, and she go- looks at me. She goes, she goes, "Are you Chuck's dad?" And I looked at her so quickly. I, <laughs> I looked at her, and I uh, so There's quickly. There's like
5: literally a fire happening, and that's her question.
1: She goes, "Are you Chuck's dad?" And I look at her, and I go, "Chuck's dad is dead." And I keep walking, and she was like, "Oh my god!" She <gasps> starts screaming, and she like kind of tripped and and fell, and her her girlfriend's caught oh. her, and she's pointing in my direction. And she's like, "It's and, and there, I can hear the, the friends go, what do you mean? What are you talking about? You know, Sharon, are you okay? Whatever. And, and so finally, I saw her on the outside by the fire truck. I came around the opposite end. She could never see me again. And I left. you know what I mean? But when she said to me, are you Chuck's dad? Like, just like that. And I said, Chuck's dad is dead. Like, immediately, she just freaked. Oh it was my the goodness. funniest moment. Um, and anyway, <laughs> so I, I always remember that one.
5: There, by the way, did everyone everyone was okay in that fire? Oh no,
1: there's no fire. It was just a false alarm. We were just emptying out a, uh, you know, it's like oh a,
5: a false alarm. Okay, that is hilarious. Automatic
1: alarm, and that happens like over the years. Like right. you'll show up, and they're like, "Hey, you look like the guy from Special, whatever." And so when I first started, you're a schnook if you don't say, "Oh, hello," and you, you speak to the people, and then uh, other firefighters are like, "Dude, we're like 20 minutes late getting back," because you're like, "I'm like, dude, you're the one who told them that you know." <laughs> And so now if somebody says, wait, wait, is, is that the guy? And, and my guys, they'll say, Oh no, 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 He he looks just like that guy. Yeah. Don't, yeah, no, that's not him. It looks just like him.
5: He looks just like Bart Bass, but it's not him.
1: (laughs) Um, A guy one night leaning on the side of the road. He's like, are you Mickey from rescue me? And I was like, I said, it's three 30 in the morning. I was driving the ambulance. I said, if I was Mickey from rescue, why would I be here with you? And he goes, wow. He goes, you look just like him. And he goes, and you sound like them too. I was like, "Oh God!" Oh so anyway, my it, happens. Goodness. it happens. Yeah, it happens. But I'm sure you know
5: that is just hilarious. Are you Chuck's dad? No, Chuck's, Chuck's dad Chuck's is dead. Dad is I, that dead. is.
1: And she just, she just, her hands went up to her face and started shaking, like shaking. It was it was so weird. And then she was trying, to, poor thing. She was trying to explain what she had seen to her friends, and they were just thinking something's wrong with this. Friend of ours. Something
5: is wrong with this girl. Yeah.
1: And it was really (laughs) bad. I wish I could just show, I wish I had videotaped that. That would have been, but anyway.
5: Hilarious. That is, that is funny. It's, it, this show just affected so many of the fans in such a way. Like it's actually quite sweet and, you know, but that's wild. There's an alarm going off and that happened. Oh my goodness.
1: Um, I think, I think that like Serena and Blair, their relationship just, I think there was just so much identification with it for two girls. For girls that age. Yeah, for girls that age, even irrespective of their affluence, because the things they went through were just uh, relevant and, and identifiable at any, you know, well, high if, school. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think that. And uh, you wanted to know that, that these things, ha- you know, somehow you were finding out that these things happen with rich kids, poor kids, you know, yeah and how they navigate their world. And their problems are just as real as anybody else, a relative and real. As anyone Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And it was, there was so many things. It was like the, their relationship and their competitiveness sometimes as best friends and then having each other's backs and betraying each other, but yet still being each other's number one fan. And then, you know, mixed families and divorce and death and it, it, it was fashion all there. It was all there. It yeah, was all there.
1: And how did they, how did they get through it? And it was usually like, well, I think that's uh, Serena's part—just honesty. You know what I mean? She was always very honest, open, and forthright. She was not very duplicitous a lot of the time. And if you pushed her and like bothered her, she was going to push back and um, stand up for herself. So there was a sense of self-worth. And you know, Blair was always a little more mercurial and and duplicitous somehow, but always wound up understanding the lesson or you know in life. And I, I just thought. You want to talk about two actresses, two actors, actually, I should say, who stepped into these roles. I mean, glove fit day one.
5: Yeah. From the pilot. Yeah. From
1: the pilot. It's just yeah. so, it's so strange. Uh, it's beautiful to see, actually.
5: Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And and then even too, like with the, how different the three guys were. I mean, you take, you know, Dan to Chase to, yeah. to Chuck or yeah. Dan, Nate to Chuck. It's yeah. Like, this kid from Brooklyn, and then you still have these two rich kids and, you know, a lot of family stuff going on, but there was a softness to Nate, like internally and externally. And then they're, you know, them playing best friends. I mean, they just did a great job. And then you kind of had, you know, Jenny and I from Brooklyn, one wanting to fit into that world. So, so badly one, not wanting to, and not getting it. So there was that piece to the puzzle over here. And then I really thought even, and, and Kelly and I were just talking about this last week, the the dynamic of the parents, so to speak, you know, we were all adults at that point, but I mean, right. we were still so young. But the the parents in the show, they really did a good the humanity, like what they did in all of the relationships. There were were great, even to the relationships with the kid, their kids and their stepkids and each other, and their parents. Like Lily's relationship with Cece is a whole nother thing. You, you know? know,
1: Cece, I think, was only in about ten episodes, and she's so memorable
5: she she makes such a presence it's wild.
1: I looked that up the other day and I was like, well she must have been in a and it was 10 I think it was 10 or something 12.
5: It was something shocking because it felt like it was like yeah. a couple seasons and it wasn't even a full season. Yeah. It,
1: you must have done like quite a few, yeah? I mean
5: I I was in in and out like I was 10 of 13 for four and a half seasons. Wow. So Wow. Yeah. But I mean some of the episodes robert i'd come in and you know go hand nate a letter and then like leave
1: (laughs) yeah no believe me i used to call those the perfect crime you know
5: (laughs) (laughs) because i was getting paid whether i was there one scene or 42 scenes you get paid the same absolutely so it was a trip and i'd be like in jamaica on the beach sometimes i'm like wow Uh, i know (laughs) the perfect crime
1: we used to call it (laughs) on rescue me once i had one word and and my buddy lenny had one word and it was like Dennis Leary's character is up on top of a bridge and we're like, Tommy, no. And he says, Tommy. And I say, no. And we did it four times and and that was it. And he looked at me and said, perfect crime. See you on the next episode. I was like, dude. That's oh, wild. Yeah.
5: I was just going to say it just was all, you know, this, this is why I love doing this podcast because just talking to you is bringing back different feelings and memories of the mm. show and and also be, what's really neat is you our characters never really worked together there was probably you know one or two or you know a dozen gallons galas i mean yes that we were probably you know my character had just walked out while bart walked in or something and our, we you know we crossed in the makeup room or something but there wasn't a lot that vanessa and bart no had.
1: i don't think bart ever spoke to vanessa
5: yeah i really don't think so either so i mean i know you and i talked on set and, yes you playing, you know, Chuck's dad, you were there a lot and we've definitely crossed, but it's just yeah. so nice to like hear and talk to you about, because even when we were doing the show, if you and I had a conversation on on set, we weren't sitting and talking about our characters and, no, and about the set that we're back. on, you know, like, we were just
1: what did you lights. have for lunch? Where are you? You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, what are you doing in New York? Is it fun? Um, yeah. Yeah. It is. It is interesting. So it's
5: so nice to hear it you know and because we're so removed it's been so long that it's kind of like different things come up i'm like you know what i felt kind of i didn't know i felt this way about vanessa until now or i didn't know that i liked blair and chuck so much or you know there's like a soft spot i have for bart so yeah. it's it's kind of interesting to like
1: there's there was something that i think uh, when i returned to the show uh i can't remember it was like the fourth season the, the very end and blake said oh i i heard you didn't like the show and i said what she said, I, I think that's what somebody said. And, said. and you know what? I I really thought long and hard about that. And what what I had shared with a couple of people was certainly not that I didn't buy the show, but they didn't buy me on it. That's what I think she heard. And oh, and I that hurt that I was like, I felt bad. I was like, Oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have even shared that with anybody. But like going back to the beginning of our conversation, I I always had this like nagging, like, oh you're oh, why are you doing oh, you know never a hundred percent with the character and uh, not that we're never satisfied with anything, but I, I, when I look back on the way I, I portrayed Bart, I thought, oh, you're pushing, you know, you, and, and I don't know, maybe it's just over speaking it, but, but anyway, yeah, I, I always felt that that she had gotten like, you know, misinformation uh. Yeah, and what you know I that's the game of
5: telephone. So, yeah. Someone accidentally said something else. But Because
1: listen, somebody said to me, Oh, you don't like gospel? I said, Are you out of your mind? I'm wearing a beautiful suit. I'm I have a drink in my hand and I'm talking with beautiful women. What the hell are you talking right. about? And I'm getting paid. <laughs> and and like my, right. my and dialogue. in New York City. In New York City, I'm home, I'm coaching, I'm with my boys. And I said, There if there is a downside here, I don't know what it is. You know, never what having is, right. never having, you know, heavy, heavy dialogue or heavy schedule. And I've been on shows where, where people have been like warped into the ground and their health is compromised and stuff like that. So for me it was just ideal. I come in, I touch the door, I put on this beautiful suit and yeah. uh
5: and everyone I mean, honestly, you did so great with Bart, like You can't, I mean, now at this point, it's just implanted in our head, like your face, your body, your tone of your voice, the way, you know, you had hit hit the walk. So we, obviously all of us, the cast or the fans or viewers watching, you can't picture anyone else playing them, but you know, us as artists, we're always our own worst critic. Like, you know, I I say that sometimes you can watch it, you know, something back. Sometimes I don't like watching stuff I do, but I said, it was like watching a soccer game back. I could have taken the ball all the way up and crossed it and passed it beautifully or scored. And I still will be like, why I should have passed it, you know, took one step less. So we're our own worst critics. So it's, you know, that I totally understand you, you thinking about that in that way. But me telling you as like a colleague or a friend or someone who, you know, me working with you, you made so many people happy from the studio to the people watching to even your co-stars, like Kelly speaks so highly of you and Ed speaks so highly of you. So but I also think when we're hard on ourselves and and think oh we should play this I think it also helps us grow but an acting coach once said to me too, don't be too hard on yourself, but don't ever think you just knocked it out of the park either. So I'm like, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And very, very rarely would I think that you or I would think that we knocked it out of the park. It's it's just not. I I don't know if
5: I've ever really had that. (laughs) Yeah. It's not the
1: nature of what we do. It's art and you're going to have a good day with it or you're going to have a bad day because that's like, even with auditioning and things like that, I'd always say to myself, good day or bad day, no big deal it's just art yeah. and some days the painting turns out well and some days not so good
5: and it also depends on who's looking at the painting because it's so you know it's so subjective, subjective. When one thinks it
1: totally yeah. totally and um but we're just so lucky to get to do it you know that's Absolutely. what i my bottom line has always been yeah 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 i i tell the story i was on gossip girl one day long day 16 hour day gala and you know how they keep reapplying makeup, pancake, pancake, you know, and a little anti-shine. And so I had 80 layers of this stuff on and I got home. I didn't even wash my face. I hopped in my car. I drove home and a fire alarm happened and I got to the station and then I hop in the truck and this firefighter sitting opposite me and he goes, can I ask you a question? And I go, yeah, yeah. And we're on the way to, to a legitimate fire. And he goes, he goes, do you have makeup on? And I go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he goes, Oh yeah, 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 no. Right. Like that's what you do. Right. Yeah. 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 And I thought to myself, right, who in their career is ever going to like be in this situation? It was just so funny the way he said it. And then he tried to like back off and then he's like, well, yeah, that's what you do. Right. <laughs> right. And I was like, Timmy, don't but ever But and, say- and,
5: and in his shoes, you, you, you can't blame him for thinking that's like a no, little bit odd. No, because he's like, you know looking what I mean?
1: at me and looking at me and looking <laughs> at me, he's like, bro, do you have like makeup on? And I was like, yeah, I've got tons of makeup on. Um, But anyway, oh another little funny sidebar of- uh both of those lives intersecting. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at Oh Brother, Where Bart Thou? again. Yeah. And the mace ensemble, the whole scene of the funeral or at the graveyard. And, you know, I've seen a lot of pictures of Gossip Girl and Galas, but there was something about <laughs> what people were wearing that was just so iconic to me. It was so... I hate to use the expression, it was a funeral. No, but it, I, everybody, looked, everybody looked so fucking cool. Uh, the style is timeless. I'd wear whatever anybody was wearing today. Yeah. It was just going back to Eric, he was really iconic. And that was just so, that was such a home run. The black
5: gloves, it was just everything was so, I thought it looked great. They looked uh, beautiful I mean they look like off a runway going to it was
1: just it was fantastic it was
5: fantastic but stuff. you would expect nothing less at no. Bart Bass's funeral to well, be honest yeah
1: there you are you know <laughs> although you know what now that you say it one faux pas I couldn't stand it and Eric went to the <laughs> wall at Lily and Bart's wedding and he made me wear tails and I said Eric Eric listen to me listen to me and I said I'm not tall enough for and He said, "You have to wear tails." I was like, "Why? Why? Why can't I wear just like a, a you know, a cocktail jacket or a tux?" Or and he said, "No, it has to be tails." And I said, "Please, please." And in my head, Robert Burke, the actor, told himself that unless you're like six foot two or three or four, tails are just, a, you know, not happening. And I had to wear the tails. And I was just like, oh, this is awful. This is awful. But did
5: you end up loving it in the end? No.
1: I never. I, that was the <laughs> one thing I hated him for was the tails. But I was like, I feel like oh. Liberace. Oh, my God. Please, please don't. And he's like, they want this. They've approved it. Everything is. You know, I was like, okay, for you, I'll do it. Yeah. But anyway. Well,
5: you, you're you also, you were and are still in such good shape. Ugh. So you those suits didn't just fit because they were like, Fitted to you and they are brilliant amazing very detailed suits the, you also the way they fit your body because you 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 have a great not to make it weird to be weird you, you're very you're in very good shape so everything looked even better <laughs> on you than so it.
1: my first day my first day there and we're going to do the fitting on the day it's the first episode the agent calls he said this is an offer this is the show this is who you're playing and I said yeah okay sounds okay and I go there. It's at the Palace Hotel. It's this luncheon, and they give me the suit. And my twin brother, I have a twin brother who he's a big clothes horse. I'm not. You'd die if you saw what I'm sitting in now. Anyway, he like. Wait,
5: know, I, I forgot that you're a twin.
1: Yeah. So he's like, you know, Italian suits, London shirts, you know, th- this. I mean, he's just all over it, all over it. To this day, he's all over it. So he comes with me on my first day, and they put on this suit. I can't remember who it was it just he's like bro bro like this <laughs> I was like he said this is just incredible <laughs> and and I was like yeah it's really nice stuff so that was funny because that first day he's like whoever is you know doing your wardrobe really understands what's happening and then I was go I remember having a fitting at J Press one day on Madison Avenue and you know J Press and and I show up with like you know dirty sneakers and dirty shorts and a baseball cap and they're like ah oh, hello <laughs> So, but then but then i hopped into the dressing room and i hopped back out and i said cleaned up pretty well so anyway wearing the stuff that was the armor that was the aesthetic armor that that eric was providing and once i put the suit on and the double windsor knot and the whatever it was the the handkerchief in the pocket and everything right. and uh, pocket square that was that could be Bart right there then i just started to feel like him because i'm i'm not a suit guy if i dress up in a suit like my
5: back See that's t- wild to me cuz you tight. just look so good.
1: Oh well it was fun i mean but again all praise and honor to uh, Eric Eric. Uh, he was and you know what my fittings chomp 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 it was just so quick uh, very rarely did he say no this is awful or this is a disaster or this can you come back later and i'll pull more stuff it was always like voom,
5: You know what? I had the same experience with him. I don't think in all four and a half years I ever even was like, "Uh uh-uh. I just, you always trusted him. And even if there was something where I was like, whoa, this is like really out there, he still somehow would be like then pull out an earring and something else. And by the time it was done, I'm like, I can't believe how you just even shaped that. And it already looked good before. Like he just really had. It's
1: definitely art. I mean, it's, you know, but but it's also your wardrobe karma. I call it, you know, if you have good wardrobe karma, that will, chase you from job to job. And it's a product of, of your staying in shape too, Jessica. I mean, you know what I mean? And, and seriously, <laughs> and, and being able to Thank fit you. certain sizes and, 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 and then having a certain, you know, posture or a or, you know, yeah to um, manifest the, uh, the look.
5: Yeah, I, I agree. You know, what's funny that you say that I really do have a good experience with wardrobes on all of my jobs, knock on wood now, Yeah, but I'll tell you what, I do feel like you might be right. That follows you job to job, but I'll tell you right now, Mm-hmm. The tech stuff doesn't, even if they email a script, it's like half the script comes when I'm doing this podcast, like someone's mic isn't working. So I'm good in the wardrobe department when it comes to like emails and tech and all that. It, I've I've lost there, so, I, I, but I'd rather the wardrobe.
1: <laughs> I. You see, I'm 62. I can plead like I'm an old guy who knows nothing. I just don't get it. But I'm telling you, it produces stress. It's like, yeah, Bob, they'll, they'll be dialing in at two o'clock it's, and it's, you'll be this I and you'll agree. be that. It's and like I'm like, yeah, me. okay, okay, okay. And I'm trying to be amenable to whatever the, not all certainly podcasts, uh, but at the you know I do a lot of fire service podcasts and and first responder stuff and for charity this that the other, but like the minute you know oh here's the link and the link's not opening and I just really, it 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 just it's it's stressful.
5: it's, it, it's stress and it well, because it we're is. both
1: professionals and we want to do a good job. We want to be early, of course, and you know yeah. I, I have no pretense as to, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it, or I'm going to be late. I would, I'd die before no. I'm late. You know what I mean? Me too. I just want to do the right thing. That's my emotional style. And yeah. even today, I was like, so, like, oh no, you know.
5: And but you were still, you were still early on. T- like, it was all good. The thing is, is I almost think on some of these like links and websites and and all these apps and all the yeah platforms whatever. I almost think they try to make it so easy and so many clicks that it, it's almost like it backfires because even still, when you try to go on these apps and, and tick and Instagram and this <laughs> and that, it's not just like this filter and this is how you upload the thing. It's like 15 different things you got to hit. And I'm like, yo, this is too much. I'm, I'm good.
1: <laughs> I FaceTimed my two sons and I'm pointing the FaceTime at the screen. I'm like, open the mic. And he goes with a mouthful of sandwich. He goes, pras, pras, you know, and I'm like, where he's like down left. I'm like thank you. What this so those are my tech gurus. Um, without whom, I hate when they get indignant. They're like move. That's all they say. Move
5: right. Let me just do it. My mom's like well show me, show me. I want to learn. I'm like mom. I, we got to watch my younger sister do it. I don't know.
1: Oh my god. It is what it is. Yeah. You know we, we we stumble to the goal, and you know it's no we it's no reflection out. on anybody if you're not tech savvy. I, like I said at the beginning, I, I wear—you know—you should wear it as a badge of courage. I'd rather sit down yeah. with a good book, a real book, <laughs> not an e-book.
3: Right. I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last twenty-five years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
5: Do you wanna um talk about any of your charities or anything you want us us to know about that you got going on or that we should can look into um for you before we we wrap up? Cause you just you have such an interesting path and journey in life and life and I knew that about you, but there's it's also what also I think is so amazing is that there's things like no one did know, like, you know, the reason of why you went to become a firefighter. Like that's oh. a really touching you know it makes me want to like tear up
1: 20 years later 21 years later and i get emotional when i speak about it it's this how how much that man he was the godfather of my children like the room i'm sitting now in here now is like this converted office space and when i rented this house like 30 years ago i subsequently bought it this was his room you know what i mean so like he was such a like a he was like a buddha he was a, a marine in vietnam he was a black belt he was a golden gloves boxer. He was a yogi. He was doing yoga before anybody was ever doing yoga down at Muti. So he was this beautiful human being. And we had this great friendship and it really hurt. And like somebody once said, I read, no, I don't know who said it, but I read it was the thing that transformed my life. It said, grief is love with nowhere to go. And so I figured I'd find somewhere for my love for him to go. And it was in the fire service you know, why should it be Joe? Why should it be Jim? Why should it be? Why can't it be me? These guys are all putting down their job and their life and their family to go and help down power lines, gas leaks, uh, automatic alarms, cardiac arrest, whatever it is. And I was 41. And the people I went through the fire academy with for two years, like 21, 23 years old, 24 years old, and by virtue of my being older, I was listening. Oh my God, I was listening. Right. And I'm not like a mechanically, you know, inclined. It's Like, oh, the PSI and the coupling and the, you know, the. Four. I'm like, oh shit. But I kept going, and and I got through. I mean, I, I did fine, and then rose through the ranks. I just stepped aside after 12 years as a captain to let like a new guy come up, and I I still instruct, like, do fire training. I, I was giving well. I went on a cardiac call the other night that was really, really, you know, kind of traumatic. But, you know, I say to the universe, like, how did I get here? I'll tell you a quick story. When I, when I was pushing my first fire, I was on the hose and I'm pushing down the hallway. And I, and I remember saying to myself, I didn't sign on for this. And my friend's voice came to me and he goes, this is exactly what you signed on for. And I was like, oh, shit. And then when the pandemic happened, because I drive the ambulance, I was sent for the vaccine, like before anybody. And I was like, that's weird. And and when the pandemic came, I says, I'm going to transport people with COVID. And then, and then I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. I didn't sign on for this. And his voice came to me again. and said, This is exactly what you signed on for. So if you get out of the way, you know what I mean? And your life opens up for you. And granted, uh, I, it's not that I'm following another person's path, but I am discovering and an, the opportunity, like, because I think we're here just pretty much to help each other. That's just, The way i am the way my mother and father put me together uh is hey you got to get out there and help and that's like my sisters are all like burn care aids care transplant coordination cancer care i mean heavy heavy stuff and for years like my sister margaret did um cancer care for 41 years so there's that your life force what makes you feel alive And you might not, you know, well, Oh, it could be swimming, but like what really makes you feel alive, you know, like being a dad or being a mom of obviously that's just locked in, but then there are the other things and it wasn't just the art uh, of acting. I found out that the firefighting was one of the things I, I really enjoy it. The challenge of it, staying in shape, like putting the gear on and, you know, I'm like, Oh boy, I wonder how many more years of this I have left. But anyway, so I, I feel incredibly honored and lucky and blessed to have had this path put in front of me. And, and I don't say that like in a schmaltzy, it's the tr that's my no, that's totally my truth. And I'm I'm so lucky that I still like it. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I bitch and moan about it. I mean, it, that is know.
5: so beautiful, Robert.
1: But I bitch and moan about it all the time because there's only two things you know <laughs> uh like they say about acting, there's only two times where we complain when we're working and when we're not, you know. But uh
5: right. give an actor a job and they'll complain oh about it. Oh my god, absolutely. <laughs> Isn't that what they say? Same thing
1: with firefighting. It's like <laughs> oh. but um so yeah, that's that's pretty much I work with several firefighter foundations, the Leary Firefighter Foundation, the Joseph DiBernardo Bernardo Memorial Firefighter Foundation for Firefighter Survival training, VetHack, which is a veterans organization, and uh, probably leaving somebody out. But these are just guys who we get together. And it's always something very cognitive. Like it's not just giving firefighters money, but it's training them on how to get out of a building. The contents of everybody's room 50 years ago, the contents used to be wood and cloth. Okay. Now the contents is plastic. Plastic burns 800 times hotter. And so the fire loads, that's what it's referred to uh has changed and so the methods and the tactics have to change and it's a whole science and the thing i love most about the fire service is that it's a learning culture you're always learning no nobody I'm knows sure. it all sure my goodness and um you're constantly in a in a constant cycle of learning and i i love that because it's it's humbling you know what I mean? Uh, to to continue You're always to learn learning
5: everything yeah, and, and just h- helping people. There's, I mean, so many layers of that, and helping people, and probably the everyone in your unit work like how close you get. It's probably like a sport kind of, you know what I mean? Your teammates. It's
1: so funny. You're
5: learning from each other and helping each other.
1: Then there's the sense of humor that goes along with that.
5: (laughs) That can be just really (laughs) like, whoa, you know,
1: uh, you hear people say things sometimes you're like, uh, you know, too soon or too caustic or too maudlin or really funny people who volunteer because it's a lot to ask sometimes, boy, when, you know, when you're a paid firefighter, you leave the house And you go do your shift or you do a 24 hour and your kids say goodbye to you. But when you're a volunteer firefighter, you're leaving from your house, right? And you're kind of in your own neighborhood district town and your kids see you leave the house and they hear the pager go off and they hear that there's a working structure fire. So you're taking a toll on your family, too, you know, but that gets absorbed functionally. You know what I mean? They always say, Hey, you know, be careful. And I'm like, believe me, I will be right. <laughs> but my friend was famously quoted as say, you can do everything right on this job and still get killed. And that's the truth too. So it nothing's oh. ever what it seems. You should treat everything, you know, pretty seriously. And then on the EMS side of it, or even the fire side of it, you should treat everybody, any house you respond to, they're calling you because they're having a super bad day and, and treating them as you would your family. That's a really great formula uh for for being a first responder.
5: Yeah. Wow. This is like so incredible. Yeah, who knew? Bart Bass shows up. <laughs> Bart Bass <laughs> shows up if you're in real bad Chuck's trouble. Dad, Bart oh this. my God. Oh my gosh. Wait, I'm gonna go back and listen, obviously, but that quote before you started telling me about all this grief is Love. What did you say? Grief
1: is love with nowhere to go, and so if if if
5: with nowhere, I'm writing that down. Yeah, if
1: you can find a place to put it, because you know I've lost a lot. I'm sure you have, and and you long and you yearn for the person. But if you can really super like put that love somewhere tangible, uh, where their spirit can see it and your spirit can see it, or feel it, or hear it, or sense it, you're going to be fine. And because it comes in waves, do you know what I mean? And you kind of ride the wave. Yeah. But again, to find out how to do it. That's it's tricky. You know, it's it's a little yeah, tricky. But for sure. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I
5: just I loved you said that quote and then you got into telling me all about what you just did. And I was like, this is like amazing. I oh. love that. And and that is really what life's about. And you know, even people listening to this today, you you will touch them in some sort of way with with just your story. Like, let a, who cares about the whole <laughs> gossip girl? Yeah, I mean, they they touched <laughs> us. Dive. They touched us. No, not us, who cares. You know, we, we, exactly. It's
1: complimentary. They tuned in. They were fans of the show. They gave their yes, energy, absolutely. You know, to us, and and I think it's only fitting that we reciprocate. By you know, like deep diving. How much we appreciate. Yeah, it. yeah. absolutely. They were loving some yeah. rabid absolutely. fans.
5: Like it goes full circle yes. for sure, but I love it because you would never expect coming on to listen to who played Bart Bass <laughs> on XOXO gossip Girl. You know, no, I'm serious. You're yeah. gonna a lot of people are gonna be shocked. And not because it can't be done, and you just don't really hear of people doing everything that you're doing or the reasoning why. And it's a really beautiful thing, and that's what I really like about life and about. Our jobs. I got to do a really fun, cool TV show with you in New York, and yeah. you're out here helping people and taking on other things, and just you, just even you. Wow, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm speechless. Well, no, it was, <laughs> I can't it's, find um, the words.
1: I, I'm speechless that that you asked me to come on, and and oh talk
5: about no, court. i I'm so pumped. I had fun. Been, I, I totally
1: had fun. You know, it's always, it's always the best playing the bad guy. I always found it kind of boring to play the good guy because I've never hired to play the good guy. But like to come in there and really just, you know, break, you know, hearts and break contracts and break deals and break trust with with actors like Kelly and, and Ed and and the rest of the cast. It was just I had fun. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah.
5: yeah. Well we loved we love watching you and everyone always had the best things to say about working with you and and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, doing these walk down memory lanes and deep dives and stuff like that is always so great. Cause it just, you know, yeah. it also reminds me of like, I never took it for granted. No, I was always so pleased and so blessed and very appreciative. But, you know, when you look back and, and again, like what I'm saying is our paths crossing and, and you being able to share what, what and why you're doing everything is like, what is so beautiful about that. The show still has an effect on me personally, yeah. I get to hear, you know, your story now and, All the things. It's just, it's really a beautiful thing that I'm, I'm very blessed and I, I'm like so honored and like happy that you came on and
1: oh thank you so much hopefully Jess.
5: we'll we'll see each other in new york sometime yeah. at some point i and everyone that comes on is like we have to actually like get together in real life not you know because <laughs> everyone kind of may run you know i see chase here i see Leighton here you yeah. know see kelly there
1: chase is tearing, um so would be nice up, for uh yeah
5: you know. chase with the boys oh, right my now God, i he know he's just he's like incredible a comic, he's
1: like a comic genius like it's like it's so goddamn funny. I mean, it's just like we were watching the other night, and uh, he is just, just killing. He's killing. It's great. It's so much fun to watch him, and, and everybody. You know,
5: yeah. Obviously, so Blake.
1: There's is, is like everything she touches. She's doing is her just thing. Fantastic.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I Layton came on the Orville last season and worked with her and then Taylor with her music and Sebastian Stan with the Marvel world and Penn with you. And yeah, everyone's really killing it. And not just the main cast. There's a bunch of guest cast that came on that are doing their thing. Yes. Tony's and, you know.
1: Yeah. They were uh, definitely some talent, a talented group.
5: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. I'll let you go have your afternoon. Um, And I really, really hope to see you in person and give you a hug one of these days. It would
1: be great. Thank you so much. And best to you and your family and and the continuation of of this project and and whatever else you do. Thanks, Jessica. Bye. Okay,
5: bye, Robert. Thank you so much, Robert, for joining me today. You are such a special person with so much knowledge about the world with a great big heart that I wish everyone could just get a little feel for because you are awesome. I'm so grateful we reconnected and we need to make that happen in person very soon. And I want to thank all of you for listening. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and meet me back here next week for an all new episode. XOXO. XOXO is produced by Propagate Content and me, Jessica Zor. Our show is executive produced by Ling Lee. Li. Our producers are Diego Tapia, Kristen Vermilia, Emily Carr, and Hannah Harris. Original music by Moxie and Loon. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky.
4: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought...
5: Zumo Play.